not gonna lie. Uh, right now, kind of look like a possum in the pantry, looking for some graham crackers, granola bars, maybe some peanut butter. Put it across my fingertips, and then when someone opens the door at 7 a.m., and I just look at them, and I was like, <laughs> and I pretend to be freaked out, and then I hide under the pantry, and then when they try to go over there and swap me with, you know, a swap flyer, I just run through their legs and try to run to the screen door, and hopefully they open the screen door out of panic. If not, then I just roll around the place a little bit, and, uh... Just make them feel uncomfortable. And that's what this headband feels like. For anyone watching the video, um, I'm wearing these fucking athletic headbands. Supposed to, you know, keep my hair up, sweat, so hair doesn't get all in my eye when I work out. Strictly for working out. And it's a pain in the fucking ass. I don't know how people do this shit. Makes me just want to cut it, but I made a vow. To myself, to not cut my hair, because I once heard from a quote from the great, great JFK. Once they cut you at the knees, like a Kelso. Damn, Jackie! Welcome to episode 62 of the Off and Beat podcast. I'm your host, Clint, and today's sponsor is G Fuel. Sour Chug Rug. Uh, nothing like a good old pull of the rug. Kind of like your Aladdin. Or, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, oh, little Timmy Teacup. Oh, Mrs. Potts. Talk about cracking a pot. Little old potluck dinner. Likes me some good old pot roast. Good old luck at the draw. And no matter how much you heart, or no matter what club you fill, or no matter if you feel like you're a diamond fox, two, three, or four X's, it don't matter. It's the same videos. You are the star of what's on your screen. And right now, I am the star on your screen. I uh, look like a man who uh, just entered into a Charles Manson cult, except I'm the one that's about to get murdered. I look like I do acid on Wednesdays, which, being unemployed, wouldn't be unreasonable. I feel like I'm on an acid trip every day. I feel like I'm imagining all I want to do is sleep. And it's amazing. Unemployment makes you feel like you're on one big LSD trip. Not that I've technically ever been on one, even though I gotta admit, I've done Molly before. Not gonna say when I did it at a rave, but I'm not gonna say how. Um, I'll tell you what was weird though. I remember being there and I saw some man, uh, the dude that sold me and the person I was with the product of Molly. It was not a planned thing we planned to do, but we were, we were like, fuck it, we only live once. And it was almost Christmas, so I guess. Uh, Santa Claus was ready to drop some white Christmas. And after he sold us, you know, the pills or whatever. We didn't take it for like 10 minutes. Because, not going to lie, we were kind of scared. And then, that same dude that sold us that. I saw I saw him 
with like this little capsule, right? Like a little capsule, something that you would pour something in, like. And this man had like the smallest of fucking spoons. Kind of like a little soup spoon, but, you know. He's putting up his nose, and I was like, why is he putting that up his nose? I was like, oh, maybe this man's like some, you know, some gas of NyQuil. And I noticed, hmm, this man's like really sniffing hard. He does it a couple times, and I'm looking like, he's like, you want some? I'm like, what is it? And he showed me, and it was cocaine. And I'm like, not my thing. I can barely breathe as is. I don't think adding a extreme substance that makes your nosebleed. When I used to get nosebleeds all the time. Um, from working out too hard or dehydration and shit. Yeah, not gonna risk it. I'm not a I'm not very knowledgeable in cocaine. But um if I'm gonna put stuff white up my nose it's probably just going to be whipped cream from, you know, drinking too much hot cocoa and putting too much whipped cream where it's not even hot cocoa anymore. But, you know, you get a little on your nose, a little tip of the nose. And, uh, yeah, like a nice soul custard. Except um, when you put cocaine up your nose, it is not a very fulfilling prophecy, I would only assume. Pretty sure you get a temporary spike in adrenaline. But your breathing glands are going to be dismissive. Your wiring, your nerves over time are probably going to be lessened. But at the very least, you won't look like a lesbian crossfitter like I do right now. Uh, I, look like, uh, I look like I let my little sister, you know, play with my hair for a day. Except um, this was 100% voluntarily. Except when I bought the fucking uh, headband things. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I looked up some fucking videos. Not to bore anyone. But I looked up some fucking videos. And trying to figure out tricks. Because it's kind of like sliding up and down. But it's also just. It, it keeps it. But like. I kind of want to do more. But. It's just like man. Like. You ever make those purchases where you purchase something. And you either start to wear, you start to use it, and you don't regret it because it's not that the product doesn't work, but you're like, wow, this is what my life has come to. Where to create some spark, to create some inspiration in the gym, I'm hitting a midlife crisis in my mid-20s, and I'm trying to look young, even though I do look young, but man, I'm trying to feel young. I'm really trying to make an impression. I'm not a very impressionable guy. I'm not very easily impressed. But, like uh, Troy would say, and this girl named Gabriella, maybe this is the start of something new. And once I start curling 135 again, and by that I mean ounces, because, man, it's a slow build-up pack. Once I do that... Time flies by in an MG right outside. TT. Man. Nothing like when you take a walk and you look straight into the sun. And all you think about when you look into the sun, you think of your childhood, you think of the brighter days. You think like Teletubbies, where literally the baby would be in the sun. 
Do you imagine, though, if you saw Little Baby or The Baby in the sun? That'd be a funny fucking uh, visual. Uh, no matter what you want to need, it probably will be bopping. Shit with some bopping it. And then I burn your eyes like radium. And then all of a sudden you can't see anything out of it. Yeah. But when you look into the sun, are you blinded by the lights? Even though it is, well, it was the weekend. But now it's Monday. Are you blinded by the sun? Are you blinded by the x-rays? Are you blinded by the UAV? Kind of like you're playing Call of Duty. Is that on your radar? Or do you try to counter it? And then you look at the moon. To balance out your equilibrium. Because when you look dead into bright lights. Is it the brightness that gets you? Or is it the contrast of dimness? That rejects you? Is it the moments in time that are momentary? Is it the stars that line that make you sit like you're sedentary? Wow, I'm not even trying to do a fucking poem here. I'm, I'm actually not even trying to rhyme. So I'm going to stop rhyming. But when you, when you look at it out there in the universe, are your thoughts in sync universally? Or are your thoughts... To yourself. You know, people will always. People that are not quote unquote talented, they will always get mad at people who are talented and have everything that's right there, but don't take advantage of what they have. And it's this weird, and it's this weird dilemma where if you have nothing to offer at all, is it your right to get mad at someone that has something to offer, but choose not to? Or choose to apply themselves to something? It's a weird relation to think of. Because when you wear shoes, when you wear shoes and you're going up mountains that may be a little rocky, kind of like, uh, like some cores, but you stay the course, right? You go up mountains that maybe you're not built to climb yet. But when you climb, you think about things that are sublime, right? Maybe you'll disappear like Gabby too soon. But, hey, I watched part of that dash cam video. If you're a cop, you could tell the cops. You don't have four cops pull up to a fucking stop of someone speeding. You go over a speed bump. If you don't think something's weird with the interaction. They have four cops pull up there. They ask her to get out. To come to the back of their vehicle. They could easily say like. Hmm. She's obviously in distress. She's talking about how they had an argument. She's shaking. She even admits. Hmm. What's this mark in your chest? Oh. Well we just got into it earlier. And they just sat there. And they're like. Hmm. You could tell the cops knew that something was fucking wrong. And although at the same time, it doesn't make sense in the fact that she knew being with him, he was in danger. This was her chance to get out. I can understand you're in the middle of nowhere. You're far away from your family and you're trying to start a new life and go cross trip and do this blog thing or whatever she was trying to do that she mentioned in the video. But 
So she felt like if she did that, she would have to go back home and her dream would be basically, you know, down in the dumps. Because he was her ticket out. Their their bond, their relationship and everything, that was their that was their way of, you know, getting out. But she had a basically, no pun intended, a get out of the jail free card. But I guess if she was worried that if he went to jail, then maybe she wouldn't, then maybe um, he wouldn't have been, he would have been free or whatever if they couldn't prove anything. Then maybe she was afraid that he would have came after her and killed her. But obviously some weird shit was going, she, the only thing that doesn't make sense to me, and I'm not here victim blaming because... It just the only thing that doesn't make sense is like right there. She was in the back of the cop vehicle. They separated her from him. And she could have safely told him, I'm not safe with him. He abused me, this, that, and the other. And at the same time, anyone with common sense, the cops, you watch that, anyone with common sense, the cops knew, like, this dude's fucking weird. This dude's definitely. Abused her mostly physically. He's very manipulative. Like this dude definitely has a lot. This dude has heavy killer vibes. And not the ones that are. You know the type in the show you. It's not one of those uh, cute little ones. Even though that is a deadly. Because he does kind of kill people in that show. But you know. Like in this dude. Oh what did she tell you? Like oh. I mean, come on, like, common sense, this is where, like, the common sense should come into fucking play, like, hey, don't let her get back into that van, take them back to the station, or at least her, and separate her, find someone to come up there and get her, and get her away from this whole thing could have been prevented, like, from everyone involved, the cops, there's no way a cops assess that situation there for an hour. They pull someone over for an hour and nothing happens and they just let him go. Shits. And at the same time, she should have just said like, hey, I'm not safe with this dude. Like, I don't like I need you to like set me free. I need you to quote unquote arrest me in Save my life, essentially. But no, common sense didn't take place. And then now she's dead. The dude's on the loose. And anyone with common sense would be like, yeah, not surprised. So I don't know. I am not an expert on criminal crime or cases. But it's stuff like that that makes the Discovery Channel, TLC... Uh, all these fucking channels that make a shitload A and E, all these fucking channels that make a living off their channel, thriving off people who have died, uh, people who have been victims of stuff, and they make a first forty-eight, they make a Dateline, they make all these fucking shows, which is fine. Like I'm not, I'm not like, oh, it's bad for kids to see now, but what I am saying is, it's definitely capitalizing on people's debts. You are making, this show's making a shit, these shows are making a shitload of money capitalizing on, on crime. TV. 
And you could probably make it. I mean, honestly, you probably make our argument because there's definitely an attraction to. There's a reason why Charles Manson was getting mad pussy and probably ass. He probably was bisexual. He was just he built this cult, manipulative and everything, and just like psychedelics, all hypnotizing, and really made these people believe that he was fucking like this messiah. Really made these people believe that killing was how you have this divine serenity to God. But of course, he's an attractive male. Dudes that go to the reason why dudes that go to jail get married in jail by girls who they never knew beforehand. Because there's an attractiveness to people who you know is about that. Who you know there's a safety. Ironically there's a safety knowing. This dude will literally kill for me. And beat some ass. He's probably beating some ass in a prison. But you know it actually makes sense why. You know. There's an attractiveness for the woman audience to this. Like 80 to 90% of people that that watch those type of shows. They're about murder. Dudes being serial killers. And doing all this fuck shit. Is woman that like that shit. And that's a normal thing. But it's definitely. These shows are definitely capitalizing on it. And that's okay. But let's just call it what it is. And stuff like the Gabby case. It's a prime example of a hour. They're going to do an hour long uh, ABC special on it. It's going to be like Natalie Holloway 2.0 in Aruba. It's going to be like Amanda Knox. Maybe, maybe she did. Maybe she didn't kill her roommate. Probably did, but whatever. But it's definitely this weird appeal to, you know, I I really think the attractiveness to all this is it's our human way of not committing the crime, but it's our human way of doing, quote unquote, bad things in safe places. It's really what fucking, uh, when people want to do some really weird, wild shit in the bedroom. It's because it's their way to get it out. You know, in a safe space, of course. Like, uh, well, maybe don't, you know, punch them in the pussy like Trevor Bauer. Or, you know, make sure they're asleep. But. There's definitely this. There's this. And for guys and girls, this safe space. And the. In the bedroom to really neglect. Because the same things that you would let someone do to you. Or that you would do to someone in the bedroom. Is not someone you is not something you would want someone in everyday life doing to your child. It's not something in your everyday life you would invite to happen to you. But with a certain person in a special space. All the love is invited. Keeps it interesting. It makes you feel alive. Because in everyday life. In everyday life. We have to feel. Like we feel restricted. We feel like we have to. Confide in the certain roles. And follow certain paths. We have to feel like we have to fit in society. We can't just go out on the street. And literally say. And do whatever. You can't just walk around nude. I mean you could. If you know it's a transgender spa. But. You can't just walk around and do or say whatever regardless of what 
I mean, you can walk around doing say whatever, and you may not die, but there's going to be consequences. You might go to jail for public indecency. You know, you could do a bunch of weird shit, but there's going to be some weird society. Society will take care of you, even if legally you're not taken care of. But, like, in the bedroom is that place where you can get your anger out. It's like, you know, I'm not going to punch my wife in the face when she, you know, fucks, when she overcooks my chicken. But you know what? I may uh, pull my belt out and, you know, give her the old tug from behind if it, uh. If we're in a certain mindset. And I don't say that to get really nasty or dirty. But what I'm saying is. Is that. We all need to get that weird shit out. We all need to get those. Those aspects of ourselves out in some way. And for some people it's. Fantasizing and watching these shows. About. Dudes that. Oh my god. He killed 28 women. Oh my god, I'll be the one he doesn't kill because I'm going to love him like no other. I'm the one that's going to change him. It's like, yeah, you're going to change him. You're going to add one more to his list to the America's Most Wanted. And trust me, you'll be a part of something that will be a long part of history. And you'll be part of an hour and a half long documentary on A&E. You go, girl. But yeah, it's it makes sense. You know, people are like, oh, people are wrong for wanting to be with serial killers and people who have done shit that's frowned upon. It's like, eh. Chances are they would probably rather be with someone like that than someone who's never who who's never even attempted to live life or have been put in adverse situations or have caused really harm to people. Because they look at you as someone who's apprehensive. When it comes to defense, do they really look at you as someone who would defend defend them in a life or death circumstances? Everyone says they would. But do they really believe you could? A lot of people that want to defend their home, but could you? Do you know how to operate a weapon? Do you know how to fight? Do you know common sense tactical like there's just real, there's just real life shit. That's more than just when the time comes up, I'll step up to the plate. Like, nah, you need to train yourself to prepare for these situations. You need to go learn how to fight. You need to go learn how to defend. You need to go learn how to shoot. You need to go learn how to swing a bat if you don't know how to fucking swing a bat. You know, there, there's things about this shit. You need to set a home security. You gotta think about this shit. And it makes sense that someone who has murdered 28 people, there's, there's a reason why they would feel safe with them. Because if someone tried to come for their life, that's number 29. It makes sense. Look, life's not fair. It is what it is. But, moving on. Uh... Did I mention our sponsor today, G Fuel? Oh, man. 
there's, you know, I, I believe in recovery. I believe rehab should be a mandatory. It makes sense, you know, when you think about it, should rehab be a mandatory thing for every single person? Because rehab isn't just alcohol. Rehab isn't just drugs. Rehab isn't just addictions of the most common type. Like, even now, more common addictions are, like, stuff you wouldn't think about. Like, video game addictions, um, you know, uh, exercise addictions, which there's worse addictions to have. But you get food addictions, uh, addiction to certain type of highs, adrenaline rushes, um, those, you know, should everyone be given, like, let's say if the government offered where you got four weeks of pay time off a year, mandatory, no matter what job you have. During the four weeks, you had to go into a rehab center program and whatever your biggest flaw was or whatever they assess or whatever you assess to yourself and realize this is something if I don't take care of now is going to affect negatively down the road. It could be spending money addiction. It could be um, just being reckless with certain things. And it's an addiction that's not quantifiable. But if you go to but it's something that could be rehabilitated. What if that was mandatory and you had to do it for a month, then every year, but you know, like a month, like every five years you had to do rehab for something. It would be like, it'd be like if you had to, it's like if it was mandatory that for your profession, you had to take a course every couple years just to be refreshed on certain aspects, or you had to learn a new course of new information. You had to take a three month course about it. And you had to do it to continue doing your job and profession. What if they did that for people's personal well-being and it was like free? And I understand like, oh, nothing should be free. But if we're really talking about for a healthier economy, if we're really talking about where taxes go to, instead of just spending money on things and on Uh, streets and very specific things that temporary things but they don't fix the source of the issue which is the people that have issues even if it could cause like 10% less depression across the world you know how much better and less bad shit that happened because people do a lot of bad shit when they're depressed that cause ramifications to life itself It's just a thought. Like if I could go to re- like if I had to go to rehab right now, what would I rehab? What would you rehab? Cuz you may not have the typical things people go to rehab for. But you can always rehabilitate some. You can always fix, you can always change something. You can always go sober from something. What if it's watching TV? It sounds some small. But if you are forced to take out of your life, because that's what rehab is. You're forced to take out of your life for necessity to thrive. Necess- like to me, healthy rehab isn't just completely taking something out of your life. 
It's learning how to moderate with it. I'm talking about like, I'm not saying meth or crack or nothing like that. But when people talk about alcohol, alcohol is a great example of something that if you are... People that typically go to that go to rehab and uh, you know A meetings and stuff like that. It's there's no moderation when they quit. They have to quit it because even in moderation or even in casual settings, they don't they don't have the mental wiring to know when to stop. So when they drink, when they drink, they have to drink, and it becomes more of a habit than it does. Making a conscious decision, I guess, like, for lack of a better phrasing. The thing that makes alcoholism dangerous isn't when you're drinking a lot and you know what you're doing. It's when you're drinking a lot and you don't realize why you're doing it. This is my interpretation. Of course, a lot of people's, but I think for the most part, most people that have struggled with alcoholism, it isn't, oh, three nights a week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get off work. It's kind of this routine. And I know what I'm doing. I know, you know, I know I need to monitor it, but I'm just, I'm just having fun. I'm young or whatever. But when those reasons change for why you originally start drinking, and it starts to become more of a, you're not doing it on occasions. You're doing it regularly when times that you normally wouldn't. Then you got to start to assess, is just as part of life changing or my fucking whatever. I'm really terrible at talking about this. Because I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. But, you know, it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing because you'll talk to people that are like 50 or 60 and they'll say, I haven't drinking in 20 years, right? And you'll ask them. It's not even people that are alcoholics or nothing like that. Just like regular people that just drink moderately and friends, like whatever. And they'll be like, well, you were never alcoholic or nothing like that. It didn't debilitate your life per se it wasn't a I gotta stop this or I'm gonna go down this shitty road they're like you know what really was when you get older and you watch other people that you around your age people you work with people you grew up with they're just people in your area and you see the people that are still drinking at that age you notice a common pattern with the people that are still drinking when they're like 40 and 50. Even if it's moderately. You notice a common pattern. They are all typically single. They are all typically ingrained in their job. And they let their job define them. And how they view themselves. And without even realizing they're miserable people. Who have... Relied on drinking as a crutch. Now I know this is a very specific. You're probably thinking. Oh he must have got specific. That's a specific conversation. Yes. One individual. Who I used to work with. Told me that. And literally three months after he told me that. He died. And you know what he died of? Liver. 
because he was describing himself. I've never seen him drink a day in my life. And I hung out with him outside of work a few times. Nothing crazy. Like, we weren't the best of friends, but, you know, in, like, group settings, we would go out together, like, work, like, work friends and shit like that. We'd go out, whatever. Just, like, bowling and shit like that. Just normal shit. And never saw him drink. But the thing is, he was married. And he had kids. Now, you know, he was married, but then they divorced him. That probably spiraled, but he said that. And I didn't realize he was talking about himself when I put the pieces together. Sometimes when people give me you advice, especially older individuals that are like older than you mentors, when they're giving you advice on certain things that you won't understand until you get older, even if you are wise for your age, what I've realized is that a lot of times when they're giving you advice and there's and you think they're speaking about other people, you think they're speaking about their peer surroundings because you look at you know certain people in such high regard or you respect individuals, and you don't realize there's a lot of things that people that you have no idea have struggled with or in the past, or would they have become fearful based off what they have seen from people. I know I'm just spurting like whatever right now. I didn't expect to go down this road. But, you know, I guess, you know, I got to thinking of ex-co-workers of mine, ex-friends of mine, and just people I used to work with. Not even friends, per se, but just people I worked with who were older than me when I worked there. And I, I was, and I don't like to sit here and judge people or you know, go deep dive. But I noticed a lot of similar patterns with all of them. They were always seeking, and these were like people 30s and 40s and 50s. And I was like 18, 19, 20. And I noticed people, they all had drama in their personal life, which based off the circumstances should be trying to have as least amount of drama in their life as possible. Some of them had kids with, dudes that were not in the picture no more some of them had a bunch of other you know baby mamas baby daddies depending on however you want to put it and then they were constantly like talking to dudes or talking to girls all the time and all this shit and they were they were just seeking this almost like they know they're not gonna it's almost like they know they're they've given up on the fact that they're gonna find stability so they're just chasing this temporary high in emotion of, and they look past all the obvious with people. And like something that someone my age sees, like, how are you 30 something? And you've probably been through a lot more life than me. You've probably interacted with dudes or girls, whoever we're talking about in this situation. You've probably interacted with all different types of guys and girls. You know the game they're playing. And it's almost like you either know or you just don't care at this point because you're just looking to get some, you know, uh fun. Some smarty boys. And that's fine. Or you have lowered your standards so much. That you would rather 
that you just ignore everything that you think you're going to get from this individual. And you just ignore the obvious of what you're not going to get, but you're going to convince yourself they're going to change for you. And I noticed with all of them, they're always seeking this constant validation. Like they're so quick to move on. They're so quick to move in with people after a couple months of knowing them, thinking our love is different. It's like, all right, cool. Like, it's like they move fast, fast. Like they do extreme things with people and then talk about loyalty and all this shit when they didn't even take the time to know and didn't even run a couple trial tests to see how loyal someone was in some aspect. But they just think we move in together after a couple months of dating and they rush the process so much. And then when it shit hits the fan, more in debt, and all like everything that could go wrong goes wrong and then some and then play the victim card over a situation that wasn't necessary to rush the process at all. And what I notice is that wow bad decision making out of desperation doesn't change with age. People think when you get older when you have like when you have been through all the possible bad scenarios with people or whatever decision makings you made in your life. People think when you get older, you become more wiser and you don't make them again. Some And what I've started to realize, this is some of the more recent revelation. The more of the same mistakes you make, it almost like the reason why you continuously make them and make them and it compounds because... It's almost like you're trying to prove yourself. You you were so deep into this ideology of what you believe in something. And it's almost it's almost like if you were to change everything up now, you feel like that whole time frame, that eight, nine, ten years that you felt believing in this, that this is what you were looking for. That if you switch up now, all that was a waste. Where it's almost like you gotta die on this hill. And what you realize is that a lot of people are trying to seek validation more confirming what they believe instead of understanding and actually learning and accepting what reality is, per se. And that is the most general statement that has no validity, no facts whatsoever. But bad decision-making doesn't expire when you learn from your decision-making. I think, I think, I think the weirdest thing that I've realized is that wow, I feel like I'm just talking to myself right now. Is that I am not in a position to tell someone what a bad decision, and I don't sit here and like look down on someone for every bad decision they make, because that's not really my position. I'm not the man above. I'm not any superior person, even on this earth or in this state or country, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But what's weird to me is I almost feel more sympathy for people who constantly, continuously make the same bad decision over and over again. Because I know they're just caught in this way of thinking that it's almost like their whole life that they've planned around something. 
if it doesn't work out doing this, then it's almost like they got to settle for a different ideology than what they actually did. And it's really sad. It's really sad that people that people have lowered expectations to the point. People have lowered expectations with people so much that we take that we look past obvious shit that we know is bullshit, we know it's fuckery. And then when exactly what you knew deep down was going to happen for perception and public wise, you play a victim perception of the situation. When anyone with a reason why, like, hey, maybe two months after he uh, texted, I love you, maybe you don't move in together. Maybe you don't. So when four months in and he's a bum, he can't even, he doesn't even care to pay a quarter of the rent and shit. And you sit there and you want to talk about this hold me down culture. People use that. Oh, well, she held me down. Oh, he held me like. It's like, all right, whatever you got to do to boost your self-esteem to convince you that someone is going to change over time when there's no reason to believe that they're actually going to better this situation. It just seems like you're setting yourself in a corner to make yourself seem like a superior person in a situation where you already knew you were in a superior, better position than them from the beginning when you entered it. I just don't... You know, it, I just don't get, So, and the one thing I'll never get is people that really believe that people are going to change over time. And what I don't mean like the natural changes, right? I don't mean like, oh, of course, when you get older, you're going to have different interests. You're going to have different things you like and shit like that. But if someone is lazy going into before you move in with them they're going to be lazy after you move in with them and you may be able to force them to do some things they don't want to do but sooner or later things are going to compound and compound and compound they're going to blow the top off and say fuck you I'm not doing with you I'm not doing this shit this is not who I am if someone's a hard worker going in Unless some life drastic situation happens to them, they're going to be a hard worker throughout. If someone is reliable going in, they're going to be reliable five years from later. I think there's a fine line between believing in someone's potential, believing what someone can be, and accepting for who they are now and understanding If it never gets better than this, will I be happy with this person? Will I accept this person for who they are? Or am I relying on something, hoping someone will be something that I'm pretty sure they won't? Because the hope and potential makes it so much more exciting than what is. And then people wonder why things potentially are never what they are. I'm not here, look... I'm in no position to tell people about hope and potential. Because I feel like a lot of people that sell that shit and capitalize on hope and potential are people who are capitalizing on people at their lowest moments 
that are looking for any way out or I wouldn't even say desperation, but just looking for answers to better their situation. And you sell some $5,000 program that says, all you got to do is believe in yourself. And as long as you work hard, it will happen. And realistically, um, it's not realistic when you're 31 years old and have two kids, have a mortgage, and, you know, are barely getting by as is, don't have a steady you know, not in a great location, want to move into a better location. That's not realistic to just say. If you just hope, if you just work harder, when you are working as hard as you can, this $3,000 you pay me every three months, it's going to work for you. Trust me. I think all that is, I think all that selling shit, selling hope, is the biggest, hope is not a scam, but people that take advantage of what goes through someone's mind when hope is promised. Honestly, those people should be those people should be in courts and sued just as much as these, you know, Wall Street Bernie Madoffs, to be honest. Like obviously it's on a smaller scale and it's so objective and it's so generalization, you couldn't really prove this the specificity in court, but it's just as criminal to me. It is just as vital and it's just as manipulative and it's just as psychologically damaging as if you were to lose money directly. Because when you are... God, I feel like I'm preaching or some shit. And I hate fucking people that preach. I know I do it at times, but Jesus Christ, get your shit together. I'm, I'm hitting the 46-minute mark anyways. So, you know, I don't really think this is a topic that should be a 50-minute. Here's what I'll say. I've only been thinking about this stuff recently because I've really, like, reflected on places I've worked in the past. And I've realized... How much people have relied on distractions with people. How much people have relied on um, hope with people. How much people have relied on things. And how much people have relied on the serial killer mentality with certain people. The... The things that, because I'll I'll put it like this, right? I think people, good, even the best people in the world, like me. I I used to be able to fish out when someone, especially a lady that I would be talking to. Not even anything on a serious level. But I I, I used to be very, very good. And I look back like, man, what a fucking manipulative asshole. I was the fact that I knew all this girl, all like some of these girls that I would choose to talk to, and I just knew all they wanted was my validation. And you know what I did? Never gave them a second of it, which made them want it so much more for me, which made them. 
talk to me a certain way and I could talk to them a certain way and I get what I want and they still didn't get my validation that they were looking for even if I got all the validation I needed and wanted from them I used them when you it almost felt like you were trying to get payback on someone trying to seek some take some from you who could take it from who first because I knew like once I gave them the validation they were not going to want to you know sleep with me or Hang out with me in that capacity. Because once they got past, you know, the physical looks, but not much there. And now it's the opposite. Now the physical looks ain't there. But everything else is there. It's crazy how that life works. And the fact that I, I, I felt, like, looking back, even though it was innocent, it was younger, we were both younger, like, so no real harm was at the end of the day. But the fact that I tried so hard, I tried so hard not to give validation, even if I did generally like kind of like them or enjoyed them or was interested in them. I tried so hard not to give someone validation just so I knew I would get it twice over. Because when someone's trying to seek validation so much, they will work so much harder and show you so much more than you deserve. But in reality, we could have both gave each other validation and probably had a healthy situation, but not. Because I was so insecure, so jaded in the way I thought that if if I gave them validation of any type, even telling them complimenting how they look, even complimenting things I like about them, even just giving them those tidbits, what is their incentive? Like my insecure way of thinking at the time is what was their what's their incentive for wanting to do anything with me? As dumb as that sounds, but when you're younger, you think about this shit, and the worst part is when it works, and it reaffirms all the bullshit that you wish you didn't have to go by to get to survive or to navigate some of these things with. When you realize a lot of the fuck shit works, and you're in this balance of, I can continue doing this and get the temporary thing, which is... The love. But. I know the love is jaded. I know the love isn't. The type of love deep down I really want. I just want someone to rub my shoulders. And tell me. You're a nice guy. But. Those have negative connotations. As fucked up as that sounds. But again that was a younger me. Nowadays. I don't, if I want to validate, if I want to compliment, validate something, I don't care. I'll do whatever I feel like it. I'm not worried about the perception back. And you may not have as many hits, but you're going to get closer to what you're looking for. And you don't have to play this game. You don't have to play all this disingenuous shit that's not even fun. Like, you're just being an asshole to get some. Which, hey, if it works, it works. I'm not here shitting on no one's game. But that was my game in my 19, 20-year-old frame. And so when I look back, I might end it here. So when I look back and I think about my uh, ex-comrades, co-workers... 
not even people I ever did anything with because I don't I have a no coworker policy type of thing. But when I look back and the people that are really good people and I don't look down on them or nothing. But I realized when they always talked about their personal life, always talked about how their boyfriend ain't shit, but they're cheating on the boyfriend, always talk about how I love my girlfriend, but I'm fucking her sister type of shit. Like, God damn, bro. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? And it was this constant people always either accepting, accepting lesser than they typically would for a rush process, which rush processes with these things never work, or it's someone who would rather hurt than get hurt because getting hurt fucks you up. If you beat him to the punch, it's easier to be forgiven than to have to forgive. And you realize like, man, this is how these cycles create. And I'm like, I want no part of this shit. At the time, it didn't really hit me. It's just like, man, these people got problems. Golly, those aren't mine. But I never thought about it like that. But more and more as time has gone on, and I thought about recently, a week or two ago, randomly, I'm just like, damn, like, I have to make more conscious efforts to not do this shit, to not put myself in these positions. Because I don't want to be 36 and playing this validation game with someone because, you know, I'm not feeling great about myself. Like, that's pretty sad. And it's pretty disingenuous, and it's going to only get me farther away from what I'm looking for. Hopefully I'm not 36 and have to worry about that because hopefully by 29 I am uh, uh, four kids and impregnated three different women because that's the dream. Create these cycles. Create these cycles because cycles go in circles and uh, targets. And yeah, all right. Ended there. Episode 62 of the Often Be Podcast. Not really great episode, not gonna lie. Rambled way too long. Not the direction. I plan on just saying a bunch of fuck shit and being funny this episode. I've stopped being funny recently. You know what? Starting next episode, I'm being funny again. Fuck this non-funny shit. God damn it. Alright guys, uh, like and subscribe and don't forget to suck some titties. And yeah, have a great day.